you know, every time I, I get a chance to, to be here, and James is such a dear friend to ask me to do this, somebody, I, it may be the whole congregation, I don't know, just prays, and I get this amazing download. I mean, amazing stuff that I, I learned this week just blows my mind. So I'm very, very excited to share it with you um, on a lot of levels. But anyway, for years, um, <clears throat> in science and in art and in music, people have used the caterpillar to destroy, to, to, <clears throat> as an example of what God does with us, right? And you might know the caterpillar goes into a cocoon and it becomes a butterfly. And how many of you had a <clears throat> caterpillar when you were younger and you had the little experiment in the glass? And, and what happens if you cut the caterpillar's cocoon too early and try to set him free? Does anybody know? Right. They, their wings never expand because part of the deal is that they have to fight in that cocoon to break the cocoon open to make their wings strong enough to be able to fly. And what a picture is that? And John Lynch is a preacher in California. It's hilarious if you want to look him up on YouTube. He has some great stuff. But the way he describes it is he said, if you had a caterpillar and you were trying to tell it it's a butterfly, he said, you could scream at it with all you want. You're a butterfly, you're a butterfly. And he said, all you would do is hurt its little ears. And, and it's interesting when you think about circumcision of the heart, that, you know, that's what God does with us. Our heart, without Christ, has no concept of what it is that we, we can become and then how we can fly, so to speak. So I want to show you a short film. I'm, I'm hoping some of you have seen it. It's absolutely a fabulous 22 minutes, if you ever want it. It's called the Butterfly Circus. And I wanted to tell that story a little bit to give you an idea why it's called the Butterfly Circus. And it has a character by the name of Will. It's set in the um, Depression when things looked hopeless. And it was a really difficult time, especially in the Dust Bowl, which is where this takes place. And Will is a man who has no limbs. He has no arms and legs. He's actually a real person, and he was born with a very strange disease that caused him not to have any arms and legs. And in this, the part that you've missed, and I'm going to fill you in a little bit, he was in a freak show. And in this freak show, the man that would introduce him would say, and here a man cursed by God that God himself turned his back on. And then they would show Will, and, and that, that was the setup. And Will heard that every day of his life as they opened up the curtain and kids threw grapes at him or, or tomatoes or whatever else in the world. So he finds out about the Butterfly Circus, and he kind of jumps into it, even though the Butterfly Circus doesn't have a freak show. And so in this scene, he's just beginning to meet the ringmaster, who is quite the master showman, and he understands something that I think John Eldridge would tell you is one of the most critical things you can understand. It comes right early in Genesis. The first thing that God talks about men is that he says, you're made in his image. 
and you're made specifically male or female in his image. And you might have heard me say, I know Clay knows, I, he's, he's heard me say this, we all have a special sauce, a certain way that we reflect God. When I look in everybody's eyes, and certainly when I look in Tammy's eyes, I can see a way that she reflects God that nobody else can. And so it's like two all-beef patty special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onions on a sesame seed bun. What's your special sauce? So the ringmaster here has looked into Will's eyes and he has spotted his special sauce, but the problem is that Will has made an agreement with Satan that he's a caterpillar. And hopefully this clip will reveal that to you a little bit. Splendid, isn't it? The way they move, full of strength, color, and praise. They're astounding. But you? Curse from birth. A man, if you can call him that, who God himself turned his back upon. Stop it! Why would you say that? Because you believe it. But if you could only see the beauty that can come from ashes. <laughs> Wait! Now, you're no good to me, so get out. <laughs> you're good enough for me, dog face. Here you go. But they're different from me. Yes, you do have an advantage. The greater the struggle, the more glorious the triumph. <laughs> what a great line, right? I mean, what a fantastic line that is. The greater the struggle, the more glorious the victory. And we'll revisit Nick a little bit. Um, years ago, in 1996, I had cancer and um, went through chemotherapy, and then the last day of my chemotherapy, Tammy and I decided to go on a, a Jeep Jamboree to celebrate. <laughs> and uh, on the last day of the Jeep Jamboree, the man behind us failed to put his Jeep in park, and I was standing at the back of our Jeep, and his Jeep rolled down the hill and crushed me between those two cars, at which point I started a two-year journey in recovery to be able to walk again. Um, nearly lost my left leg, and... Um, I had, it's, it's just fascinating to me how God puts people in your life at certain times. And <clears throat> our pastor's son, by the name of John Quartz, came to me and he, he, in the hospital, when I was there, you know, recovering with my leg, he gave me this passage. And he said, Robbie, I want you to memorize this. <laughs> Which is just, you know, like, Wow. And you all are probably familiar with it, and I, I was not. I was pretty young in the Lord at that point in time, and so it was new to me. I'd not read it, and God has been teaching it to me 
for 25 years now in some amazing ways that I want to share with you. It's First Corinthians, excuse me, it's Second Corinthians, chapter one. It starts in verse three. Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all. Underline that word. <laughs> all comfort. Who comforteth us in our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherein ourselves are comforted of God. So, what John was telling me back then was, Robbie, there may be another purpose in what it is that you see. You know, you're trying to figure out, you just went through cancer, now you're crushed by a Jeep, and you know, what's all this about? And, and, and he gives me this verse, and I promise you, within a week, I get a call from somebody in church that had a friend that had gotten hurt in a motorcycle accident and almost lost their leg, and guess what they wanted me to do? <laughs> Go visit them. Because, right, I mean, who better to talk to somebody that was about to lose their leg than somebody that just lost their leg, right? I had been comforted by God in a very, very unique way. What I'd left out of the story was that, you know, when I was up in the mountains and they couldn't get a helicopter or anything to me, that, you know, they were afraid that I might go into shock and die or whatever, I got this Jesus hug that was unforgettable, that got me through that time. And I was comforted by the God of all comfort in a very unique way. And so I love this verse, and I began to observe it and see how it worked out in life in so many different ways. I, I just really was fascinated by it, and for those of you who don't know me, I work for Truth Broadcasting. I'm a radio host, and I host the Christian Car Guy show nationally, and most people know me for that, but I do a lot of different other work, and the... Um, Associations of Christian Counselors out of Liberty University, with um, Tim Clinton's organization, had a big conference about five years ago, and they hired us to do 200, they hired me specifically, to do 200 interviews of all these counselors that were at this conference over a weekend period of time. They wanted me to do, take four days and do 200 interviews, which were 10 minutes apiece. which was just a fascinating thing to do. And so if you were given such a task, you know, the immediately thing that you would do if you were a caterpillar in this case is like, like man, what do I do to open up this? <laughs> you got to start working at that thing. And, I, and so I prayed and prayed and God gave me something. He said, when they're sitting down in front of you, the first thing you say to them is give them that 2 Corinthians 1 passage and scene. So the question went like this. Did, the counselors would sit in front of me, whoever, whatever kind of counselor they did, and I would say, you know that passage in 2 Corinthians where it says the God of all comfort comforts us that we might comfort others with the comfort that we were comforted with? How does that play out in your ministry? And you know what? 198 out of 200 bared their souls when I asked that question. It was like, God, you gave me the perfect question. How could you give me a better question? I mean, because in every single case, you could count on it. If the people counseled people that did abortion, had abortions, guess what they'd had? If they counseled drug addicts, guess what they had been? 
<laughs> you know, if they were financial counselors, guess how many bankruptcies they'd had. Even Dave Ramsey, if you know his story, he was bankrupt, right? And I began to see how this verse played out in so many amazing ways. And the more you see it, the more you realize the truth of God's word. This, what a fabulous thing to observe and see. And the one that really tore my heart down, I, you know, you, you see all these different people. Well, there were two that really got to me. The one was a lady that worked for an uh, abortion hotline, and she took 1-800 calls. And her husband was sitting there at this interview, like in a chair, like Robin is right there, and she's sitting in front of me like here, so she, I can see him, and I can see her, but she can't see him. And she breaks down, and she begins to cry when I ask that question. And she says, I've never, and she's on the air. <laughs> you know, it's one thing to tell somebody something you've never told anybody, you know, just me and you. But how about telling somebody something that you've never told anybody, like you had an abortion with your husband sitting right behind you while you're on the air? And, and she literally breaks down and brings this secret out into the light where Jesus could do something with it. She'd been counseling people for years about the same thing, but never had shared that she herself had been through it. It was an amazing thing. And then I had this dude, you know, this one time I kind of questioned whether or not God had given me the question for this guy. This guy, this guy looked like a psychiatrist. I mean, if, if you could picture Sigmund Freud, the little goatee <laughs> and the three-piece suit with the with the vest and the whole deal, and he's got glasses, and he sits down in front of me, and he's not a counselor, he is a, a doctor, and he is a psychiatrist. And he looks the part completely. And I'm like, all right, so you know that passage in 2 Corinthians where it says, you know, the God of all comfort comforts us, you know, and I just let it go because I didn't have anything else. And he too immediately breaks down. I mean, this is a psychiatrist dude, and he is crying, and, and I'm seeing the tears stream. And what just, I mean, I never met the guy in my life, but we're, we're in a conversation for 30 seconds, and this guy is bang, and I'm like, now what? And he says, well, he said, in my case, I went insane, and I was in the insane asylum, in a hospital bed. I'd just been married for two weeks. And there was a red light that I was looking at that was on the wall, and I was certain that that was Satan. And my new wife sat down on the bed, and she looked into my eyes, and she said, I can't live without you. I can't take this. She said, how do I get to where you are? Because if I've got to go insane in order to be with you, help me get there. <laughs> do you even believe the intimacy of that statement from somebody that you'd known for less than five minutes? And he, too, had never told anybody that story yet. Here he was, a psychiatrist, helping people. Why? Because the God of all comfort had comforted him. And he said, Robbie, when I heard that from my wife, I had to fight 
for my sanity. I had to fight for it. And you can imagine me after four days of this, like, oh my gosh. I mean, there were story after story after story after story. And this verse, you know, it was like God gave me the magic key to turn on people's soul, you know, and, and, and especially these particular people that were in the business of counseling people. And so I couldn't help but take notice. But as I told you when I... You know, I've thought about this verse like this for years and years and years, but as I was thinking about it for the sermon today, I started to think about, you know, this really isn't the context that Paul is talking about in the rest of this chapter. That understanding I just gave you is very true and it's very real but I think if you were to really study the rest of the passage, you would find that that's not the, what Paul was going after. Paul knew something. He was declaring a truth that I think is significantly huge. But Paul understood the scriptures way better than, you know, anybody I know. And, and he just understood what, what we just described that's in that verse. So I'm not going to get into where Paul was going today, but I do want to go into where Paul probably got this. He probably got this because, you know, obviously he had been quite the scholar. He probably got this from Isaiah 40, which is just this really incredible passage. And so if we spend a little time here, I think we'll see that God was giving us this in more than one dimension here. If you can look at this with me in some more of the facets of this particular diamond. If you read Isaiah 40, it said, you know, it's the passage, it starts out, comfort ye. Comfort ye my people. I'm using the King James because that's the way most of us know it, right? I mean, there's a song, comfort ye, you've heard it, right? Comfort ye. Now, I don't know if you remember this, but... If you move down to chapter 3, uh, verse 3 of chapter 40, this is where I want to kind of land here. The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make a straight path in the desert, a highway for our God. Now, you guys, back last winter you were doing a study, I came in early, and you guys were doing this thing on Exodus and you had all this stuff in the wilderness, right? And you remember how cool that, that the guy showed you something, that, that when they were in the wilderness, the situation there was, <laughs> you're helpless without God. You're, you're, you are in your cocoon, and it's going to take some serious breaking in order to get out. In other words, part of the reason that God took them 40 years in the wilderness was to build up those wings. Because how are you going to get water? Well, you better start singing to a rock. I mean, you better, you better start, you know, how, how are you going to get food? Well, you, you know, you better start praying. The only way you're going to get it is man is coming or quail or whatever. You know, they couldn't do anything without God. So, so think of what Paul was understanding here that I, I didn't realize he understood, but he, he got this out of the man in the wilderness is crying 
You see, those people, those 200 counselors, they'd all been in the wilderness. And they'd all gotten their wings strengthened. Right? And you and me. My situation with cancer, I've certainly, no doubt, and with my broken leg, I was, I had this cocoon I was working on, and, and still do. But there's something way deeper, way, way, way deeper here that I began to see as a result of your prayers, and I, I, I fully believe this that I would not have seen this this morning if I did not have this church praying for me in this message. But there is one kind of suffering that comes as a result of somebody hitting you in a car or having cancer. But there's another kind of suffering that comes as a result of my sin. Right? My temper, my harsh words, my sexual whatever, my financial whatever. Right? You may think, oh, Robbie's got his act together. <laughs> Talk to Tammy just a little bit. <laughs> She'll tell you that, man, we're, we're like, whoa, you know, we got a long way to go here. I mean, a long way to go. But see, a good friend of mine it ran a junkyard for years. His name is Bob Young, my, my Christian junkyard guy, one of my dearest friends. And he put it this way. He said, Robbie, because he was a drug addict, and they asked him to teach Sunday school at church, and he's like, I can't teach. <laughs> you got the wrong guy. You don't understand my past, you know. And he said, what I thought made me disqualified made me uniquely qualified. Right? Which is another way of saying what Paul said here. God comforted him through his addictions. When I was in Jamaica, I worked at the Teen Challenge Farm there. It was really, really cool. You know who the best counselors are for drug addicts? You can count on the fact they were all drug addicts, but these were Jamaican drug addicts, so they understand Jamaican drug addicts way better than I would understand a Jamaican drug addict or some other person that came out of the United States. In other words, they had been comforted specifically the way that they needed to be in order to be qualified to do what it was that God had trained them up to do. But the really beautiful thing about the one who cries out in the wilderness And, and of course, you know, I hope you know, that there, he's, this, this has a lot of layers. This is John the Baptist that they're talking about here. That this is a prophecy of John the Baptist coming. But oh, by the way, that's you too. If you don't think you're supposed to put on your camel skin and go out in the wilderness and cry out to people that are hurting from the sin that you've hurt from, when you don't admit that you've failed... You don't make God the hero. If I stood up here like I had my act together, who's the hero? Robbie, Robbie ain't the hero. It's God. You see, God came and he forgave me. He died on the cross. He shed his blood so that I could be cleansed from stuff that is unthinkable that I've done. I can't believe the stuff. And one of the most difficult ways that I can think of to be comforted when you really get down to it is to forgive yourself. 
for the crazy stuff that you've done. But Jesus, his blood, you see, it's kind of cool. It's kind of like Satan is this bully, and he thinks he has all this stuff on you. Like, Robbie, you know you were looking at that picture you shouldn't have been looking. You know, he's, he's the bully, right? But Jesus is like Rocky Balboa in red, white, and blue saying, <laughs> you know, you got nothing here. You know, this guy is clean based on my blood. He, he's the ultimate bully killer. When you start hearing all those accusations and all those things that you've done, here comes, here comes the real comfort. And that's the comfort, if you move down in Isaiah 40, <laughs> this is so cool, when you, when you guys opened up my eyes, I was like, man, look at this. It says, O Zion, that bring us good news or good tidings. Get thee up on top of the highest mountain and lift up thy voice and strength. Lift it up and do not be afraid. Say unto the cities of Jehovah, behold your God. Behold, the Lord your God will come with a strong hand in his arm and rule for, behold, his reward is with him and his work will be before him. They're saying that you who have been comforted, you see with the comfort, that the, you are the voice crying out in the wilderness. You're the one sharing the good news. You're the one who's going to explain what it is that has happened. And, and I, I'm always amazed at, really amazed at the people that God puts in my life. And speaking of the Billy Graham Association, <clears throat> they called me a couple years ago, and they're like, Robbie, we've got this Vietnamese pastor that just came in from North Vietnam, and we really want to get him on your show, on Kingdom Pursuits. <laughs> you know, what do you do when the Billy Graham Association calls you, and you're like, oh yeah, let's go. <laughs> when can he be here? <laughs> this Saturday, great. So I had him, he was the only guest on that week, and he came in with two interpreters, and none of the three of them spoke English, I can assure you. <laughs> And all these people from the Billy Graham Association, there was a whole entourage. But unfortunately, anybody that understood nothing, I, it was like... And so, you know, I've got no idea what the interview's about, which often happens. And I'm sitting there, and I can't use my Second Corinthians line. <laughs> so, so, you know, I, I, I'm just praying, God, what are we, where are we going here? And so I was like, well... So the Billy Graham Association asked you to be on the radio. What did they want you to share with my audience? Seemed like a simple question, right? And all of a sudden, you know, prison. Prison? <laughs> he was in prison. I said, North Vietnam, prison. Now, this, 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 it's amazing how God took my brain this direction, but he did. And I said, North Vietnam, prison. I'm thinking Rambo 3. <laughs> it's like, was it a swamp and you were down in there with the leeches? And he was like, you know, swamp. I said, you were in a swamp? Yeah. He was in a swamp. 
I said, how many people were in this swamp? 900 people. 900 people in a swamp? You're in a swamp with 900 people? How long were you there? Five years? What did you eat? What was in the swamp? You tried to catch a fish. What did you drink? You don't want to know. I was like, oh my goodness. How did you survive? <laughs> God. <laughs> yeah, they, wow. So I started thinking. Okay. And I said, you know, anytime I've been through any real tribulation, God has really sent me some kind of very unique comfort, something that was really special for the situation. What did he send you? Oh, this really got him going, because that was quite a sort of, about 20 minutes later, he says, you might want to write this down, the 91st Psalm. He said he didn't know the 91st Psalm when he went in the swamp, but God gave it to him word for word. If you ever want just some real fun time, just pretend you're in a swamp. You can't lay down and sleep because you've got to stand in the swamp. People are dying all through the night. Hundreds were dying from what he said almost every day. They would bring in hundreds more. Read the 91st Psalm sometime just for your edification. <laughs> from the standpoint of being in a swamp. And so, being the prejudiced person that I am, I'm sitting there looking at him and the three with him, and I'm like, how do they know who did, how did you get out? How do they know who's who? <laughs> they all look alike to me. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's just me, you know. I was, you know. And, and, Good behavior. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and he says, and I, you know, when they come back and they say, he had, was leading too many men in the swamp to Christ. And so they wanted to get him out of the swamp because they didn't want him converting any more people. Now I want you to think about that. Number one, I'm, I'm like, God, why did Billy Graham give me this? This is a story that needs to be on, you know, like World News Tonight. This is huge. This is gigantic. This is way bigger than little, you know, why did, why did you give me this story? This is one of the most phenomenal things I've ever heard about in my life. And, and as I was sitting there thinking about it and trying to process the 91st Psalm, I pull it up on my computer and I'm reading it and I'm in tears. I'm like, I just cannot believe what it is that I'm seeing. And I began to think, you know, I'm not terribly surprised that God could keep this man alive while hundreds died at his side every day. Just like it says in the 91st Psalm, by the way. But then you know how these little thoughts twinkle into your mind? I went, oh my goodness. All those other people in the swamp they were probably rapists and murderers and who knows, thieves and what all. 
God sent them a pastor. Right? They stole a chicken or whatever it is that they did. God took this man who'd been comforted in this swamp and he took him and he put him there to comfort these other people. He led them to Christ. He led them to, when we get to heaven, we're going to see these, you can all tell them Robbie is really pretty. But, <laughs> but can you imagine? These people are in heaven today. These people have got the ultimate comfort because of the voice crying in the wilderness. Is that not just one of the most, I was just like, I can't believe I see it. I mean, this is one of the most beautiful things I have ever seen in my life. Now, I do not know how long my little pastor friend, and by the way, he looked in perfectly good health, and he'd only been out of that swamp about three weeks when I saw him. But man, he had come out of that cocoon, and he was flying. So let's revisit Will. As uh, the ringmaster, through some interesting events, has discovered Will's secret sauce, special sauce. You guys will witness this fine evening, our bravest soul, as he cheats death by ascending 50 feet into the air and leaping into this pool of water. the whole movie there's some stuff that that and it's only 20 minutes and you can see it on YouTube for free and I couldn't recommend it strong enough but you see when he was in the freak show the kids were throwing tomatoes at him and they were treating him like he was dirt and now you see a completely different picture and a completely different man and what had actually happened is he was at the riverside, and he accidentally fell in the water, and he found out that he could swim. That, that by the way, is not trick photography. Nick himself can swim. <laughs> so, I mean, that, that's real, what you see right there. And once they realized he could swim, obviously they could create something where you took beauty from ashes. Which, you know, I don't know what is coming in my life or your life tomorrow or what may be happening. But I do know 
that God does not waste pain. And you know that too. I'm not sharing anything new, but he is going to use the comfort that he comforts you with. Don't miss the treasure that you will then possess. If you've been through that, you are in a uniquely qualified position to help somebody on the other side, and, and especially those who are struggling with their sin. As if you have been saved by Christ and you understand what it means to be under the blood of Christ and what it means to be a new creation and what it means to fly with those wings, then you're uniquely qualified to be the voice calling in the desert. Isn't that beautiful? Wow, thank you. I'll pray and we'll close. Lord, I pray that um, all of us will see the beauty of your word and those around us and the things that we see, even in the hard things. Help us to ask for help and strengthen our wings by being in the wilderness ourselves and admitting we're in the wilderness, that we need your help and we can't do this without you. Lord, help us to spend time with you there that we could receive the comfort because we took time with you to get it, that we might be a comfort to others, especially that of salvation and of your forgiveness, which we're so grateful for. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If anybody would like to talk to me afterwards about anything